Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Scott Hodge is, well, he's formerly president of the Tax Foundation for about two decades. He's now the senior advisor. I continue to nag him in whatever role he plays because he's a dear friend. Scott, uh, I want you to, if you can, I want to talk first of all, about this 15% minimum tax on corporations. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking, um, the Joint Committee on Taxation, let's see, U.S. manufacturers would be hardest hit by Democrats' book minimum tax. That's a tax on book income, not IRS income. And Scott, isn't this thing uh, anti-investment? I mean, we this is not a loophole. This is not something illegal. Why are they going for this alternative minimum tax thing? Well, a lot of this is political, uh, Larry. They've dreamed up a narrative that uh, somehow uh, companies are using legitimate uh, tax deductions, such things as full expensing or bonus expensing for capital investment, um, stock gifts to uh, employees, net operating losses, all of those things contribute to some companies not paying uh, or, or at least having a zero income tax liability. And so uh, Democrats and liberals have dreamed up this narrative that somehow they're getting away with something. And so they've created this alternative uh, minimum tax outside of the current tax system. Hmm. This is a, a proposal that's never been tried anywhere uh, in any other country, so it's a very risky venture. And it relies on accounting principles uh, rather than actual t- tax principles. And so this is their way of trying to, to raise more corporate tax revenues without actually raising the corporate tax rate. And so this is an end around uh, from, from actually going directly at corporate taxes. You know, I was um, interviewing Senator Rob Portman on the TV show, Scott, and he made an interesting point. Maybe it's a process point, but it's an important point. He said, look, if you're going to create a separate alternative minimum tax system, then let's have that discussion. But that should not be included in a reconciliation budget bill. And I guess you're saying, you, I think you would agree with that because you're saying this thing has not been fully vetted. And by the way, why do we want to create a separate alternative corporate tax system? Well, we actually had one for about four decades that was created during right. the late 1960s, 1970s. And um, our old friend uh, Phil English, Congressman, former mm-hmm. Congressman Phil English, called it the kick them when they, they're down tax because mm-hmm. it would all ultimately hit companies during economic downturns when incomes would decline. But things like net operating losses and other deductions would rise relative to their lower incomes and kick them into the AMT. This is just a completely different uh, animal altogether. It is incredibly complex. It runs by a, a, a whole different set of rules. But uh, as, as you've made uh, the point, uh, this will negate good things like bonus expensing for capital investment. Mm-hmm. So this is why the Joint Committee on Taxation found that 
more than half of the revenues raised by this tax will hit manufacturers, especially those that are capital intensive. So this is going to go right at CapEx budgets for companies such as, oh, I don't know, the telecommunications, you know, phone systems, those that build towers, those that are putting um, chip manufacturing uh, machinery into their factories. All of these things will be impacted by this tax. Right. You know, isn't it ironic that um, you pass this CHIPS Plus bill, which is subsidizing (laughs) semiconductor companies, but but then they're going to hit them with this 15% minimum tax. So what the government's giving, the other side of the government's going to take away. It's completely insane. And uh, (laughs) Congress's joint, Joint Committee on Taxation said that this will hit about 150 companies a year at a roughly about $30 billion a year in average revenues. That means each company is going to get hit to the tune of about $200 million, uh, and that's going to go right at their capital investment. The other thing the Joint Committee uh, has just released some data, looking at how this will affect people in different income tax brackets, because they do assume that some of this tax will flow through to workers through lower wages. Mm -hmm. And uh, lo and behold, and this is no surprise to you and me, but maybe members of the of, of, of Congress, uh, the Joint Committee found that it's going to hit people earning below $400,000 a year, which the president said uh, we're not going to raise their taxes. Well, this will, and it's according to their own scorekeepers. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I have Kevin Hassett coming on in a few moments, but, you know, the work that Kevin did, among others, you've done the work, a lot of people have done mm-hmm. the work. Uh, it's the wage earner who gets slammed I mean, exactly. Whatever, half the corporate tax burden, maybe more, hits the wage earner. You know, typical American family type stuff. And uh, this will do great harm. And here we are in a recession, which makes it even worse. So you're right. So English is right. We're going to kick them while they're down. That's the basic point here. <laughs> yeah. Scott, interestingly let- enough, you know, when we analyzed this last year, <laughs> one of the industries that's going to get hit most relative to their income is the coal industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. yet that's Mr. Uh, Senator Manchin's back, backyard. And so, again, this is going to hit uh, industries that are very heavily intense, ca- capital-intensive, but also worker-intensive, mm-hmm. blue-collar worker-intensive. And that's the real shame of it. Scott, um, can you just walk us through, there's a big debate now, uh, concerning Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona uh, mm-hmm. with respect to the carried interest tax, uh, which would be taken out, I think. Let's see, they've got uh, $14 billion to end the carried interest loophole, quote-unquote. Uh, right. Now, what's, what's that all about? Well, it, it, really, it's all symbolism because the amount of revenue raised over the next decade is fairly trivial in the grand scheme of things but they have liberals have identified carried interest as this giant liberal uh loophole to um to uh private equity firms and hedge funds and so forth and it really is a very small thing and what it means is that uh people who are in that industry uh, get to claim capital gains um, taxation on their earnings rather than wage and salary income Well, this makes sense in a lot of ways because they're risking their own capital and their own uh, uh, equity 
in these investments. And so it's natural that they should get some uh, what they call carried interest. This carried interest principle came out of actually the oil and gas industry uh, and real estate. And the whole principle behind it is that, you know, I've got a, a group of workers and a drilling rig. You've got money. So we go in together and I get the carried interest because of my sweat equity while your investment, you know, get naturally gets the return on that cash. And so you, that partnership is what creates this carried interest. And so the same thing applies in the uh, financial field. My sweat equity combined with your investment uh, brings a rate of return, and we both get to benefit from a lower capital gains rate as a result. They see this as uh, – Democrats see this as a loophole when it's really a normal way of doing business between partners. So net-net, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. I think it's a very good thing, and I think to some degree it's going to harm capital investment and the kind of risk-taking that we want. However, what they're doing is they're saying instead of um, you, you can get the carried interest, but only if you hold on to those assets for five years or longer. So they're trying to dictate the terms of these agreements uh, and enforce these uh, investors to, to hold those assets, even if it doesn't make sense. How long? What, what's the how uh, how many years? Uh, five years. And currently, I think it's uh, three. It may be three years now. They keep kind of changing it to try to get at these investors. Um, last one, Scott. Um, I love this IRS tax enforcement. So <laughs> I mean, they're scoring this as one hundred and twenty four billion dollars increase in tax revenues. Um, yeah. What do you make of them? I, um, let me just say, I've seen this before. I've seen this movie before. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, these these are the same people that say that taxes don't pay for themselves. And yet if we give the IRS $80 billion, it's going to produce $124 billion in, in new tax revenues by squeezing the rich and and uh, uh, hiring more auditors to go in. And, how many? And how many? How much money are they putting into the IRS? Uh, over eighty billion dollars. Eighty billion, and that's right. supposed, Yeah, and that's supposed in new spending to hire auditors, and that's supposed to generate one hundred twenty-four billion over ten years in new tax revenues. <laughs> this is the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever so, heard. Under <laughs> that theory, we we should give the IRS a trillion dollars. Yeah, Imagine right. How much they would yes. raise then? Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. This revenue grab, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but tax revenues overall are running around 20% of GDP, which is, if it's not an all-time high, it's pretty close. I mean, I'm just saying yep. the government has a lot of money. Why are they grabbing for more? Because they're spending more. And the long-term <laughs> the, the long prospects... Uh, of the deficit are, are, are exploding over the next few decades. In fact, the Congressional Budget Office just came out with a very sobering report last week um, showing that uh, deficits are, are exploding over the next three decades, uh, even though tax revenues in their estimate will remain above historic highs for the next uh, uh, 30 years. Yeah. Spending is just growing that much faster, such that um, by 30 years' time, spending will hit 30 percent Mm. of gross domestic product. That's mm. European-level kind of spending, and yet re tax revenues can't catch up. 
uh, even with some some projected growth. So we really got to get a handle on this spending side of things or we're really going to spend this country into um, a very, very severe economic consequence. Yeah. Spending is the problem. Spending is the problem. Scott Hodge, Tax Foundation. Thank you, my friend. Terrific stuff. Really appreciate it.